you mind telling me your name? <laughs> yeah, sure. My name is Becky Harlan. Michael Krogan, recreational <laughs> hockey player, lawyer, <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. My name is Vernon Draper. Jamel Winston. I'm Jay Dev. Gina Christina Simo. Christian Glasset. Wait, actually, my yeah. name is William Hebert. All right, who are you? Who am I? That's a damn good question. <laughs> I am a friend of yours. I am a computer scientist from France. I'm a human being. I'm also a gambler. I'm your mother. <laughs> I'm just everything that's good. Mixed with a little bad. And I'm Lizzie Peabody. This is Your Story Here, a podcast about humans and the common threads that bind us. I first started interviewing strangers after a couple of decades of being told not to talk to them. This show is about sharing some of the conversations that I've had. Now they're yours too. All my life, I've heard different versions of the same story. It's a story about when two people meet and they know, they just know that this is the person that they're meant to be with. It's not an unusual story, and my guess is that most of you have heard it, if not lived it. But it's dangerous because it sends people like me wandering around the world waiting for the moment that I will talk about for the rest of my life. And hyper-vigilant. With every meeting, I'm asking myself, do I feel it? Is this what it feels like? Would I miss it? Even if I felt it, would I know? Today we'll hear three stories told by four people. Two of them are strangers and two of them I know. I'm, I'm trying to be bold. <laughs> Can I interview you anyway? Of course. What's your name? Kerem. K-E-R-E-M, yes. And who are you? I'm doing PhD uh, at Columbia University. Uh, yes, so I'm an economic student. I'm from Turkey. Yes, and I was born in Istanbul. Yeah. Have you ever been in love? Yes, once. One time? Yeah. Tell me about it. About what exactly? How did you know you were in Because it was the first time that I felt such a feeling when I met someone right away. We met, I fell in love in one night, so in a party. And then she left the country at that night already, so, yeah, and then... She left the country that night? Yeah, because she was here just only for a very short time. The way we continued, and then, but it was, like, overseas. One year, we got to... Yes, and then after one year, she came to New York, and then we had been together for two years. So, in total, a three-year relationship, yeah. And you're still together? No, we broke up. Oh, yeah. why? Different cultures, so... She she was a Russian. I'm from Turkey, so didn't work out because of traditional reasons or just you know, cultural differences. What kind of cultural differences? I don't know enough about. Well, the religion is different, first of all. But none of these things mattered for me. But it mattered for her, and I really respected that. So language was a barrier. I don't know. We th- things were getting serious between us, and then if you think about it, then your child needs to speak like three different languages. And then none of them is going to be really perfect, perfect. And then you should imagine like you cannot communicate with your even child like at a hundred percent level, just understanding. So that that was a problem for her, and I understand that. I mean, how did you get over? Um, who's going to listen to this? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I um, probably 
Probably no one. No one. Okay. Probably no All right. One. Okay. Um, but there's a small chance that it might. So I have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And no, it's fine. I, mean, I don't mind because she already knows what I was going to say or what I'm going to say, and if there is nothing wrong. So inside is still a little bit bleeding, but just because of the missed opportunity. It's like having a wound on a you know um, scar. So you think like the wound is complete, but then it's not. And then after a, a different you know checkpoint, you just make the wound complete. So now it's complete, but probably inside is a little bit still soft. I learned Russian for her like for one year. Yeah, and whenever I hear Russian, I obviously there is only one thing that I associate right now with Russian or Russians, just you know whatever it is. And then if you know about the politics a little bit, so Turkey is right now in fight with a little bit Russia. And I was like, yes, it's because of that. And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> we broke up. Like in a couple of weeks, we shot that. We shot their just you know um, airplanes, which was a very tragic, I think, event. That, that, that was a mistake. But I mean, among my friends, when we are joking, I was like, yeah, I called our prime minister. He did it for me, and then I said, so that's that's how we I joked about it. <laughs> she used to play like piano, very good, like probably for 14 years or so. And sometimes when I hear romantic music played by a piano like live, then then it reminds me her too. So yeah, so I'm just trying to keep things low. I don't I don't usually give interviews, you know. <laughs> I, can I ask you one more favor? Will you describe your ex-girlfriend to me? What did she look like? And what was she Ooh, like? that's a very. How, how can you describe one? Oh, okay. Kind and easygoing. She was really passionate about what she was doing. She was a doctor. She was really trying to find some really big, you know, advances in in medicine that can cure a lot of stuff. So I'm a little bit hard guy to be with, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not easy guy. Uh, I don't know. Being a mathematician, probably I have too many rules. Probably. Yeah. They are so stupid, but just I don't like, for instance, the water to be wasted on the sink when she just leaves it open, and then the water first flows, and then she goes inside, and it comes back, and I just you know close it, and then that was one of our stupid fights, for instance. So this type of small things, but then she was really relaxed. How do you say in in, in English like laid back or something like that? But she wasn't much romantic though, as much as I am. But yes, she was. It was okay. She was not as much. No. Romantic. You're more romantic. Yeah. I prepared a gift for her once that took me like three months to prepare. Yeah. Um, I took pictures from my daily life whenever, because we were, you know, long distance. And then I was thinking like too many things was reminding me to her. And I'm not a photographer, but just, you know. So I was taking pictures of perfectly daily objects that looks like a letter. And I was actually writing her name, like from these objects. Yeah. So I, whenever I went out of my apartment, I, the building in front of me has like an H, for instance, like on the wall, and she had an H in her name, for instance. So and then I just took a picture of it, and I just wrote whole, her name like this, in a very different places, and I wrote it in Russian, by the way. So it was a yeah. Wow. Yeah. In the Russian alphabet. In the alphabet. Yes. And then I wrote down. In French, because French is the most romantic language, like wherever I look at, I see. You. I think it was a romantic thing, no? Yes. Yeah, it is. So. Very romantic. And what did she think? Well, she cried. It was the first and maybe almost the last time that she cried, so it was good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you hope? Do you, do you think that you could fall in love again? 
well, I don't know. So from looking at, if I look at the data, it's only once. So right now in, in 30 years, so a real love. Um, and then it happened like after 20, what, six years or so. So I don't know whether I'm gonna be able to fall in love again. Maybe, oh, hopefully. Are you trying? Do you have a plan? I think you cannot try to fall in love. Can you try to fall in love? Does it work? Once I tried to like a girl, because she was like, I tried to like her, it didn't work. So I cannot even like someone if I try. You, know, you thought like, this is a good match, yes, this is a good wife, yes, I better, yes. So I shouldn't be doing statistics or do, drawing conclusions, you know, based on that. <laughs> when you said look at the data, I thought you meant like a broader scale. No, than I look life. at my data because I'm going to fall in love and that happened only once. But what's different? How do you know? I didn't know it until I really felt that. So, I mean, I felt it at, at night and I was even sure that we we're going to get married. So, you know, people say that, that when they are the married couples, they're like, oh, the first time that we, we, we knew that. So I knew that and it didn't work. And that also scares me. Because if I'm never gonna feel it again, then should I marry that person? I don't know. But I can explain it to you from statistical point of view. I don't know how much time you have, you know, to record it or whatever. Time you have. Okay. Yeah. So there are so many books, for instance, written like top five characteristics of CEOs or something like that. So why, do you know why they are all bullshit books? Unfortunately, most of them. Yes. Why? Oh, why? Yeah. Top characteristics. Because you can't generalize about anyone like that. I mean, everybody's different. And also, well, I don't know. Yeah, that that's right. You're on the right tra track. Okay. But okay. so, for instance, all these top CEOs, they have two eyes as well, two arms, and etc. So, doesn't make these five characteristics to become a CEO. Also, they haven't analyzed other CEOs who were unsuccessful and maybe are doing the same things. Um, okay. So, so it's so correlation instead of exactly. Causation. Yes. So if you don't check the, that's what we call the counterfactuals, like the other part that failed and we're doing the same thing. So in this case, it's me. So I knew that I'm going to get married and it didn't happen. And then you don't get to hear these things often. So what you hear, you know, mostly from the married people is that, yeah, we knew that we are going to marry. So that's why we believe that, yeah, if you knew that you're married, but actually you don't get to hear other side. Because when I get married, I'm never going to say probably like, yeah, I had the one girlfriend that I knew that I'm going to get married. Right? It's, it's not something that you're going to be able to hear. Right. So yeah, from a statistical point of view, though, you're not going to get to hear that part. Okay. Instead, I should ask, how many times have you felt that you met the, the one you were going to marry? Because maybe it wasn't the only <laughs> time. You know? But you should ask it in a secret place, not when the wife or the husband is around. <laughs> Good. I don't know, I'm just trying to be happy. That's, I think, my ultimate aim. So whatever I do, I'm trying to do... Achieving things makes me happy. Finding things makes me happy. So I think that's why I'm a researcher. So when, when I find something that no one has ever talked before, it makes me happy. Other than that, I don't know, I'm trying to enjoy small things in life, basically. I don't, I don't wait until the big things comes to my life and then I'm gonna be happy, so. Kerem, K-E-R-E-M. There was a uh, a mixer. I was at a dance at HGS, at the, the Hall of Graduate Studies. Studies. We yeah. sometimes had mixers on the weekend. This is when I was in my first semester of architecture school. 
I just remember it to be a, a well-lit kind of affair with people <laughs> dancing, but not in the dark or anything like that. It was free beer, and, and you know, there was a band. And I must have been dancing or trying to dance. Your mom was there, and she was dancing. I said Jitterbuggishly with somebody. And, so and I, your dad saw me, and he just came her, up to me said, and he said, next dance like that, would you dance with me? She was busy dancing with someone else. And I, said, I said, sure. And so the next dance, I looked around for him, and he was gone. <laughs> I can't remember what happened, just, but I left. He hadn't waited. So it hadn't been, like, really serious. I wasn't, like, stalking her. <laughs> I, wasn't, I didn't go there to see her. You right. know, I'd run into her there. So that was the end of that. Why did you leave without her dancing with you? I can't remember. I think it got late. She was tied up. She was over with her friends, and I didn't want to go disturb her or whatever. Did you think about him at all? No, not really. I didn't even really, I don't think I really remembered him. So the next day, I think. A very short interval of time went by, and then I bumped into him on on the street. street. He was coming down. He was coming from the gym, and his hair was sticking straight up. (laughs) His hair was kind of blonde then. And he actually cut quite an interesting and rather dashing figure because he wore Dunham boots and khaki pants, and the bottom of one of the legs of his pants was always stuck in the back of one of his boots. And the other one was not, you know. And it was an accident, but it was always the case. And he wore Lacoste shirts, those kind of polo shirts, usually kind of bright colors. And then with a Brooks Brothers shirt, not ironed, rough dried over top of that. And then his hair was kind of... um, But the whole effect was pretty disheveled. (laughs) It was like intentionally disheveled. Artfully disheveled? Yes. But anyway, he was walking down the street. In my memory, it was down the middle of the street, but it could not possibly have been the middle of the street. And she said, why didn't you dance with me? Oh, you. You know, you didn't stay to dance with me, you know, or something like that. And I said, well, let's have lunch. uh, He asked me to eat lunch with him. What stood out to you about her? She seemed fresh and smart and kind of sassy. And I kind of liked that. So we went to Pearson and, and had lunch. And I, at that point, I just knew I had one of those moments that I have in my life where I know something. And I knew that this was serious. And we got into a long conversation. And, and we had a long talk. And somehow or other during that talk, he kind of convinced me that we were meant to be. Really? It's true. Did he say we're, we're meant to be together? I mean, how did he say it? I don't know. He might have said, you know, I just have a funny feeling that we were meant to meet or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I have to con- confess that that influenced me to be very interested in him. Because that was a very interesting way to be <laughs> to me. The more I talked to her, the more I realized how much we had in common and... What kind of things did you have in common? Well, we had both had southern, kind of southern backgrounds. But here I was, we shared a southern background. We were not obviously from the south, but we were from the south, you know, in terms of family. And I was in those days, I, I was much more a product of my background. family and my upbringing in, in Natchez. That was more central to my life. That was my home. So we talked about our families, and, uh, and I just... I just had this feeling about her, and I can't remember why, but I told her all about how my first child I was going to name Rufus. I think maybe he had been sort of waiting for someone. I just checked all the boxes for him. 
And somehow I just knew that she was going to be the mother of my kids. So you guys didn't kiss or anything after lunch? It was all... Oh, no. Uh-uh. It was lunch. It was like, bye, see you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I knew that that was pretty serious and that I really, really liked her. Was it like a slow-burning thing, or was it pretty much like once you knew you were his intended, you immediately became a couple? Like, what happened after you had lunch? It, well, there was... We were in school. I mean, he was in his last semester of architecture school in just the throes of his final project. It was a very exciting time for me, that last project, my last studio. So I, I recruited your mom to help me. She helped me for a couple of nights, but it was like all night, it was every night. So I had my review and got real great praise, and I was like on top of the world. So our meeting is sort of all tied up with that. So we went out, your mom and I said, let's celebrate. So we went out and... We had one all night, I guess it was our only date. And we went dancing. We went dancing. And we went and walking and talking and saw the sun come up. We just spent the whole night out talking, enjoying each other's company and falling in love. And uh, it was such a great rush, you know. Yeah. It was like I couldn't stop. I couldn't go to sleep because everything's so great. So um, she stayed up with me and then the next we went to Dunkin' Donuts and she put me in the taxi cab. And then he got on a bus, went down to Mississippi, then they all went to the Bahamas for a Christmas vacation. His family. See, that was another part of the mystique. I mean, who did that? Nobody I knew. <laughs> I didn't know that they did that. Well, he went, he went away for Christmas, and I went away. So I got back, and I wondered if your dad was back. I knew where he lived. She didn't know when I was coming back, and she went over to my apartment. She was walking by, because she'd walk by there every day on her way to her place. I actually could stop so him when he... When <laughs> What? <laughs> see if I, she saw lights on. She started tap on the door and see if I was around. And, and this girl comes out, opens the door and says, who are you? So it was and, this girl. And I just said, oh, sorry. And she said something like, David's not here. So I was like totally stung. It's like, okay. Monica, Derek's sister was in town and she was staying in my apartment. And then you're like, oh gosh, she's got a girlfriend who lives with him <laughs> or something. And oh. anyway, then she, Monica said, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm his friend Derek's sister. And uh, so then when he did get back, he looked me up and oh, all was yeah. well. And then we just picked up where we left off, you know. He was a very boyish, cute guy. And he had a mystique about him. I have to say, he really did have a mystique about him. And it had to do with his dog, his car, his clothes, his taste in things that had never really even crossed my mind to be interested in, like silver. He gave me this silver bud vase with such very thin silver that got squashed very easily. <laughs> it exists somewhere in a squashed <laughs> state. But, but he cared about his room. He had this little room down from the street, so the kind of eye level, you were looking out the window, but you're looking at feet. And he had this huge French flag, the tricolor, draped over his bathroom door. And he had these interesting things that he collected, uh, glass blocks. He really liked glass blocks and, and he, candles. He gave a party in that, in that little room and had like 50 candles and lit them all. So he was a different kind of guy. I'd never met anybody like him quite. I was just kind of in awe of her. She was pretty much like she is now, really. I mean, she was... She was very pretty and smart and funny, you know, could be very entertaining. 
And it just felt right. I just felt like, in a way, I felt like somehow she was so familiar to me, I guess. Uh, it was just nice to be with somebody who was that comfortable. You know, it was a fairly short spring, and then he moved to Indianapolis. He got that job. I was very excited about my first job, and she came out in the summer and lived with me in the summer. So that summer was a funny thing. It was a funny summer. I, I associated with John David Souther listening to those records, those kind of kind of tragic love songs, and Emmylou Harris. And, and then... She wanted to stay. I remember being really uncertain because I was I was willing to drop out of architecture school and stay there with him. And I didn't want her but to stay. But he didn't want me to do it. Um, she was still had a, um, a year of school. I mean, she still had a year and a half of school. So and He just didn't want me to do that for him because I think that that would make him kind of, that would put him in a position of of being responsible for my having given up or delayed or somehow he would have interfered with the course of my life. And I didn't want and the responsibility. I don't think he wanted that responsibility. Um, and I didn't know, you know, was I supposed to stay or should I go? And in the end, of course, I went. I went back to school and he stayed there. And, uh, and then we just we just talked on the phone endlessly. Yeah. But I was in school and, I mean, architecture school was really, really, really... Hard, not in the sense of a hard task, which then you do. It was hard in that it was this morass of working and working. At least you thought you were working, but you weren't really getting anywhere. I mean, I kept terrible hours and got very little sleep, so I didn't have time to pine. And then I moved back to New Haven in February, I think, of that year. And then what happened? Then he moved in with me. How old were you guys at that time? I must have been 26, mm-hmm. and he must have been 28. These things are such a matter of timing. I think both of us were kind of ready to settle down, mm-hmm. ready to find the right person. So when did you finally decide to propose? It was late in the spring, I think. And uh, what did you call that conversation you have? The Oh, the DTR? The DTR. Your mom... That defined the relationship? Your mom initiated the DTR moment. <laughs> My mindset was okay, he had let me know that he thought we were fated to be together. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was willing to accept that. Okay, we're fated to be together. Now what? <sighs> you know? And, and that really scared me. And yet I always knew that she was going to be the mother of my kids. I just knew that. But the idea of actually getting married was different somehow. And, and what did she say, though? She said, look, you know... I'm, if we're going to be together forever... I'm ready for the next step. I'm, I'm not, all in, but let's go ahead and get married. If we're not... I'm going to continue the search. Then <laughs> I need to get on with the rest of my life. I said, okay, let's get married. Because we were at that age, you know. She was, I felt like I was really old to be getting married. I felt like I was ancient. She was your age. I mean, she oh was... Oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, in those days, we felt like we were old. Mm-hmm. Uh, How did he propose to you? I remember it as being at a restaurant. And the restaurant had an apple in its name, but it wasn't Applebee's. <laughs> it wasn't Applebee's, but I associate the restaurant with an apple. It was in the daylight too, so it was summertime when you know went out to dinner, but it was still light out. Proposed. Did you do it with a big show? No. Me like getting on my knees and that kind of thing. No, no, no. I don't think so. Nobody did. I hope not. Nobody. That I know. I, that's kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. It was amazing that people got married. 
know? I mean, you know, most people just live together. Uh-huh. Um, it was the counterculture. It was, it was yeah. the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but he, he pulled out this beautiful ring. But I did have a ring. I made it official. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you put a ring on it, put as a we ring say. On, yeah, put a ring and on it. I was completely taken aback. Really? By the ring. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I expected to get engaged, but I didn't expect a ring. So. I mean, I yeah. didn't even think about uh. that. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite a ring, Mama. It's a and beautiful I'm, ring. It's so, a that's the story. You. Me? Yeah, you. Me? Just me? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a retired Navy pilot. Wow. I flew helicopters. A uh, little bit easier to land a heli- helicopter on a flight deck than it is a jet traveling at 130 knots or so. But we had our we had our difficult moments too. So you're a retired Navy pilot. Yes. What else? I that's it. I played the guitar in a rock and roll band. Wow, uh, that's not nothing. Well, it's something I've always wanted to be uh, is a guitarist in a band. Uh, we're a small time entity right now something I never had time for when I was younger now that now that I have time it's I spend a lot of time trying to perfect my skills or improve my skills and my wife and I are uh, it's interesting now is that she is retired she she built a successful business and a larger company came along not too long ago and bought it so now she's out of work so the two of us are have so much time together that we never had in the past. And What's that like? It's very odd. It's very odd. Uh, I uh, I for the most part ran things around the house because my wife was the company president and that has many. She had many demands and worked long hours. And now she's home all the time. So who's this? Who's this person who's still at the dinner table there or at the kitchen table? She wasn't there six months ago. It's, it's it takes it's we're still adjusting, and my wife is probably having the most difficult time right now because she she led a she led a very active life. She was making decisions all the time, and now her major decision is uh, what time do I walk the dog, That's or do I buy oranges or bananas today? Life is a lot simpler for her right now. She's having a hard time adjusting. I can't help but imagine that you must have had a similar period of transition after you retired. Yes, yes, you're right. It was. There's nothing like being in the military, in the civilian world. Uh, so, yeah, I, I did, I did struggle a bit there, trying to find an occupation where I felt some passion. As it turned out, we had a child. And my wife was busy launching the business, and so I was Mr. Mom for many, many years. And as it turned out, that's really what I was happy doing. I'm really happy that I had all that time with my daughter when she was young. It's easy. How did you meet your wife? We went. We we met through the Stone Age version of Match.com. No way. Yes, it was. A, this was in the late 90s no but it, was it online no it was before it was actually a brick and mortars facility where 
people would come in, fill out a biography, do a short video. Hi, my name is David. This is what I like to do. I like to wear blue and climb mountains and ride bicycles on the weekends. Or, and so we would walk into the center and there would be notebooks lined up on the wall, A, B, so all the women's names that begin with A, all the Anns and Abigails, and all the Bettys and the Barbaras, and all the Charlenes, etc. So I would pick down, I would pick a book, say I wanted to start with D, all the Donnas, or Debbies, and, and I'd just flip through there and see somebody, looked interesting, read the bio, and so I was in that, I had joined, but Lois had been a member for a while, and uh, she picked me. She was up there looking through the Davids, for example, and so I was notified that, oh, there's this woman named Lois who's interested in meeting you. So I go back to the center and look up Lois and say, yes, I think I'd like to meet her too. And then the center arranges uh, time to meet over coffee or so, and that's how we met. The center just says, okay, David, Lois wants to meet you, and you want to meet her, so here's her phone number, and she already has yours. So we made the telephone call. I don't remember who called first. We, so we actually had to talk on the phone first, whereas I guess nowadays it's email or chat or text. Right. It's very, very removed. Right, so you know, there was something to be said for not communicating by email and text back. So much gets lost, I think, when text and email goes back and forth. I'm, I'm very methodical, so when I got in there, I started with the A's, and I went through the A's, and then I started on the B's, and then the C's, and I was somewhere around D or E when I was notified that Lois wanted to meet me. Do you know if, did Lois also start with the A's and go through? No, I think Lois was random, and that, which is, that's her style too. She would not do A, B, C, and D. She would do C and Z and R, whatever was, whatever was on her mind at the moment, that's what she would do. Do you remember your first date? Yeah, well, the first date was where we, well, yes, our first date was at a coffee shop in Rockville, Maryland, not too far from where we are today. And that was it. And then we decided to date. And about six months later, we decided, well, let's marry. And that's, and that's how it worked. Did you, get, did you get a feeling when you met her? Like, did you know? Well, no, not at first. In fact, we had some, we had some difficult times uh, during that six months, whether or not we wanted to be together, for example. So no, we didn't know right away, but it came to us. How did you decide? Well, I could tell that Lois was a strong woman. She was successful too, and she was very smart, and she looked great. She really looked great. So she had all the qualities that I wanted. So that's how I decided. I think that Lois maybe had some similar ideas in mind, too. Did she ever tell you why she picked you? Why she picked your binder out of all the others? All I remember this now, we've been married 21 years now. All I remember her saying to me way back when was, well, I liked what I read. I liked your video. That's all.
and and uh, once Lois and I started dating, I really didn't. I don't think I don't think I went back to the books anymore. I think. Sounds like you all are very different. Yes, I'm to the right of center on many matters, and my wife is to the left of center on many matters. Guns, for example. I'm very pro Second Amendment. Lois is, would love to see it scrubbed from the Constitution. How do, you all, how do you all deal with that? It gets tricky. It's not easy. It's, uh, Lois and I had some ups and downs in those periods, but we worked them out. What do you have in common? Well, we like to scuba dive, <laughs> for example. Uh, we like to travel interesting places. Sounds like you're both pretty adventurous. Well, I'm not as, as I said, I, there are some things I won't do anymore, uh, but scuba diving is one. Scuba diving, if done, say, I mean, if done with the right, with the right equipment in the right settings, is fairly safe activity. Uh, so, um, let's see, what else do we have in common? Cooking. We like to walk, but I, as far as activities go, we both like to be outside. How about that? We like to be outside. Well, David, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. Thank you for talking with me, too. That's it for this week, guys. Remember, the next stranger you talk to could be the mother or father of your future children. Don't forget to name one of them after me. Your Story Here is produced and distributed by Goat Rodeo in Washington, D.C. You can find shows like this one and more at GoatRodeoDC.com and by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC. Oh, guys, big news. Your Story Here is now on Twitter. That's right, I'm tweeting. It's unprecedented. So please hurry to your computer and follow me. I have, I think, about 15 followers, which I thought was good because that's a decent-sized cocktail party, and I could not fit more than that number of people in my house. But the powers that be at Goat Rodeo inform me I could be doing much better, so help me out. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kedem, David, and my brave parents, as well as to all the people who let me stop them on the steps of the Jefferson Memorial this week when they were trying to admire the cherry blossoms. Thanks to my taller, talented younger brother, Tom Peabody, for the original music, and to all of you for listening. Please rate this show on iTunes, guys. I would love to hear what you're thinking. I do love feedback. So do that. I'm Lizzie Peabody, and this is your story here. Keep an ear out for us.